the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. We are just days away from the launch of our Best in the World with Richard Parr Patreon page. That is your opportunity to help support this show. Yes, every single week I speak to an Olympic champion, a world champion, a world record holder or a world number one to find out what they do differently from the rest of us in the world to become the very best at their sports and to continue to produce this for you for free every single week. I'm asking for a little contribution and you can do that at Patreon, patreon.com. We're going to have an exact link when we launch on August the 1st. Yes, our Patreon page will go live on August the 1st and that's where you can contribute to our program for as little as $1 a month. So if you're in the UK, that's less than a pound. Yes, you can contribute to keeping this podcast on the air and we can continue to learn from people all around the world. And, you know, you can contribute more than a dollar and as you contribute more, there's more benefit for you. We're going to give you exclusive behind the scenes access and extra benefits if you support our program on Patreon. So go and check that out. We'll be launching on August the 1st. We'll obviously have all the information on our Facebook page, Best in the World with Richard Parr. We'll also have information on the Sportachino Twitter page and, of course, my own Twitter page at Richard underscore Parr. All right, let's talk about today's episode. We are speaking to the speed skating Olympic gold medalist Jan Blockhuizen. Yes, he was part of the team which won the team pursuit in the 2014 Sochi Olympics. And he talks about the relationship he has between other speed skaters, in particular Sven Kramer, who's one of the greatest speed skaters of all time. He talks about how one moment he's a rival, the next moment he's a teammate. He goes into quite a bit of detail about why Jorrit Bergsma withdrew as a substitute from the gold medal winning team. And we talk about a lot of different things as well. The Dutch skater talks about his training routine. He also talks about reaching a state of flow. You don't want to miss that part of the conversation. Plus, we've got a beautiful story about how he met his model fiance using social media. Yes, it wasn't online dating, but you'll find out exactly how on this podcast. Do not miss it. All right, let's get to it. Let's speak to the best in the world, the speed skating Olympic champion, Jan Blockhuizen. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Jan Blockhuizen, welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr, speed skating, Olympic gold medalist. So great to have you on the program. Really delighted that we get to learn from you because some of the interviews we've done with speed skaters in the past have been some of the most insightful. So no pressure. Um, <laughs> uh, at the time of doing this interview, it's only a few weeks after you've injured your ankle um, from what I've read online. How are you doing at the moment? Yeah, it's, uh, there was a little bit of a setback, uh, so uh, just one week uh, into uh, my Olympic season, we, we were in, in Spain and I had, a, I had an accident uh, on the inline, uh, but it, actually I'm doing, uh, I'm doing really good. Uh, I spent uh, the last four weeks in uh, plaster and uh, last week it came off and now I, I only have a brace uh, when I do some uh, uh, dangerous stuff like, like jumping around. 
But actually, it's uh, it's going. Uh, the recovery is going really fast, and I hope to be on the ice uh, because of the team. Uh, the team is already on the ice for two weeks now, uh, so I hope to be on the ice next week. Fantastic! Uh, you're coming across quite positive with this injury. Is that how you normally deal with injuries, or when it first happened? How, how did you react mentally and, and personally? Uh, I have to say that I uh, I have been quite uh, uh, lucky with injuries. So this was the first time in my life I broke something. Uh, unfortunately, it was my ankle. So uh, it's kind of important as a skater. Mm. But uh, yeah, did, my first reaction was, uh, of course, uh, I was really angry because, uh, yeah, you know, you uh, it was my own fault because I, I, uh, uh, I don't know what the word uh, it is. Uh, is for uh, for it in English, but uh, I just uh, I tackled myself. Let's put it that way. Mm. So then uh, I tried to recover from that, and then my ankle uh, just uh, folded, <laughs> and uh, then <laughs> then I tried to save. Uh, I, I, I tried to not fall, and uh, then it folded the other way, and then eventually I launched myself into uh, into some uh, luckily some grass, not asphalt. But then, uh, yeah, there was a truck driver. Uh, uh, he was driving behind me, and he saw he saw it happen, and he was all up. right away. He said, "Oh, your ankle! You should go to the hospital." And I was like, "Ah, it's it's just my uh, my tendons. It hurts, but I'll be okay." And uh, but he was he was pushing like, "No, you should go to the hospital." So then, uh, my uh, uh, my management came from the team, and uh, we uh, my staff, and uh, first we went to the hotel, and afterwards we went to the hospital. We made a photo, like. Uh, what is it an x-ray x-ray yeah and yeah yeah but on the x-ray uh it didn't show uh, that it was broken so we, we treated it like uh, like some trauma to the to the ankle uh, muscles and tendons uh so then three weeks three weeks passed where i just trained and then uh when i flew back to holland uh, i got into the plane and then all of a sudden it was yeah it was really swollen again and then i thought uh, something is wrong we in Holland. I, I went to uh, hospital again, did a CT scan, and then it showed it was broken. So uh, that was a little bit unfortunate. But uh, on the other, on the other hand, I didn't lose any training now, and they said that uh, it's in a really good, uh, the uh, broken bone is in a really good position still, and uh, I didn't need surgery because it was already uh, three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, uh, so. Because if, if I if I needed surgery, they would put like a screw on the back of my heel, and that's exactly where your uh, uh, where your uh, skating boot will uh, will like uh, press into your ankle. So I think that could have uh, resulted in some irritation, maybe inflammation. So in the end, uh, I'm pretty happy <laughs> I didn't get operated, and I feel uh, already. Uh, really uh, confident on my ankle so uh, i hope in uh, in one or two weeks uh, yeah i can be uh, back on the ice which is the most important thing of course mm. because now uh, every twice a day i've been uh, i've been biking so that's uh, it's getting a little bit boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was looking at your instagram page before this uh, interview and, and there was a lot of cycling uh, on there but you know when you go to beautiful places like Mallorca you, you've got to take photos and of, of places like that um, you, you mentioned that this is your first major injury in your career and of course you, you've had a, a highly successful career you're Olympic champion you're the best in the world um, other than injuries what have been some of or, or the biggest other challenges that you've faced in your career 
Um, I would say that uh, when I was uh, going into the, the uh, previous Olympic uh, year, uh, I, I switched teams and there was a lot of pressure inside the team that I left uh, because uh, one of my biggest uh, uh, opponents, uh, Sven Kramer, uh, was in the team and uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we got really close. Uh, I got really close and uh, that was... Uh, maybe a little bit uh, scary for him and the team. So uh, it was not really, uh, uh, yeah, how do I say it? It wasn't re- really good fight for me anymore. So uh, they wanted to keep me, but I felt like, yeah, if I, if I, want, if I want to win, I, I, should, uh, I, should go, uh, uh, I should go somewhere where, where I can do my own program. Uh, something that is like a custom fit for me. Mm. And uh, so I changed teams, but that was, it was pretty hard because uh, I, I left, I, I think, the best team uh, the skating world has ever seen, uh, the most professional one. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I went to another team that was uh, not on that level. And so it was a challenge for me to, uh, to get the same, uh, uh, like, uh, athlete environment around me. And uh, that cost me a lot of energy. And uh, coming back from the Olympics, uh, I, I really felt... Uh, I was a little bit empty. I I, uh, I needed to uh, yeah I needed a break actually, but I didn't, and uh, then uh, it resulted in some kind of a burnout I had, and I think that was one of the most toughest periods uh, I experienced. What's your relationship now like with Sven, Jan? No, it, it, it always has been good, but uh, yeah, you know, like in sport. Um, on the ice, you know, it's it's a battle. So we have always uh, get along great. But uh, on a yeah, on a sports level, on an uh, exercise, how do you say this? Yeah, just like in the field, you know, it's uh, yeah, you kill each other, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say it must be difficult for you when you are very often because the the Netherlands have got this great history of speed skating and have been so successful over the years it must be difficult for you that when you're in team pursuit you're very often teammates with people who in the other events are your arch rivals how difficult is it to switch from one to the other yeah that's true that's true it's a good question uh, i think the the only thing that counts is the, is uh, winning your event and uh, setting the fastest time. So, and in order to achieve that, you have to work together. And so you have to, you know, maybe you don't get along with this guy or that guy is not your best friend, but that doesn't matter. You know, you just have to uh, push aside your, uh, yeah, your personal issues and uh, just be a professional. And I think that's what we're really good at. But we have to because the competition is also... Uh, skating really fast and if if those things get in uh, get in the way uh, you won't like uh, you won't get everything out of your performance i think uh, to be uh, to get the 100% result yes it, it cannot be personal you have to uh, think about the team and uh, yeah I, we get coached uh, into that and uh, the team pursuit is uh, it's an uh, uh, yeah, it's it's something they they really uh, uh, push for in Holland too. Our big uh, our sponsor of the federation it's a, it's a mobile company, KPN. They they really uh, uh, think the team pursuit is important just for the same reason you said. Like you have to work together. Maybe you don't get along, 
to go, but the greater goal is winning the gold medal. So in order to achieve that, you have to work together and you have to uh, help each other and uh, commu- communicate with each other. So that's what they really want to uh, achieve in their own company too. So we're a little bit of a role model for them. Mm, it's interesting. Um, on one of the previous podcasts I had, I spoke to the uh, the track cycling gold medalist Callum Skinner, and mm-hmm. he won. Uh, I think it was a, a pursuit, a, a track pursuit with Jason Kenny and, and another rider, and then he ended up facing uh, Jason Kenny in an individual event in a final, and they were actually they were actually roommates. And yeah. the night before the event, they're actually kind of. Uh, softly joking very very uh, british humor of one of them saying oh i don't need to sleep tonight i've got so much energy or, or my legs are feeling really strong today yeah. what's what's the relationship like within the dutch camp is it, are there jokes like that can it be kind of laid back or is it all serious business no matter what the event is um it, 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 it's actually the other way around for us because the team pursuit is uh, is at the very end um, but uh, the last uh, in, at the Olympics in Sochi, um, Jorrit Bursma, who, who won the 10K, he was a substitute in the team pursuit. And uh, he didn't want to be the substitute. But uh, So uh, like one hour going into the final, um, he said he was going to drop his, uh, his role as a substitute. So that was a little bit stressful for us. And it did really well with, uh, with the team. As you can imagine, because if something happened to one of the one of the three guys uh, that were racing, so me, Kuhn, uh, or Sven, yeah, we, we had nobody to skate with, and you can only start with three people. So it was a little bit. I don't. Yeah, I can understand why he, he felt that way, but I think uh, it was not the, the, the best decision to uh, yeah, to not show up. Mm. Uh, did you speak to him personally? What's your relationship like with him now? Yeah, it's yeah. I I, I get along uh, with everything uh, with everybody. Uh, okay, but I I told him what I thought about it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think it, and I think his coach was uh, had a little bit uh, too much influence uh, in this decision. Mm. That was uh, yeah, that was a shame. Otherwise, he had, he got another gold medal. So yeah, exactly. M- missing out on on another gold medal of yeah. uh, at the Olympics just for not showing up. I think uh, a lot of people. Uh, it could be in this. Uh, it could be in this place. Uh, yeah, I think they they show they would have showed up. Yeah, the goal. yeah. I think so too. And uh, he already had one. So I wonder, I wonder what he would do if he could go back in time. Now you mentioned about changing teams there, Jan. Um, what does your um, training regime look now, and and what have been some of the the changes that you've made since moving team? Um. I think uh, I actually moved again because the, the team uh, uh, after the Olympics uh, uh, decided uh, it was not the best place for me. So uh, that year I left and uh, now I'm in, uh, in a team that is... Uh, so the, the team I left, the called team TVM, you probably know about it. Uh, that, uh, that doesn't exist anymore, but people that... Uh, coaches and staff and physios... They all uh, uh, they all went to another team. Team just leaves the team I'm skating in right now, and uh, some some athletes stayed uh, team. So it's it's kind of uh, the, the same uh, 
in, 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 the, in the red line is, is, is the same uh, is the same team, but just with a with a uh, yeah a little bit relaxed or vibe, I would say. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. We'll be back with Jan in just a moment, but as we are only days away from the launch of the Patreon page on August the 1st, I just want to give you a quick reminder that you can support our show at patreon.com from the 1st of August. There'll be lots of benefit to you as you contribute more to our program, and hopefully you can help us to cover the costs that we need to do to make this program. You know, we're always trying to find new guests and the time it takes to email and organize and also the cost it takes to produce and edit and then also market this podcast. So if you get a moment and would like to help support our show, please go and check out the Patreon page from the 1st of August. All right, let's return to the conversation with Jan Blockhuizen. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Give us an idea of a, a, a typical training day for you then, Jan. Uh, typical training day, um, right now in the summer, uh, we, we obviously make a lot of hours on the bike. I think uh, because of my injury too, I'll, I'll get the, <laughs> some, more, uh, you know, some more miles this year. But uh, normally in the summer, we, we would bike between twelve to 14,000 kilometers. So that's quite a lot. And the bulk of this, uh, uh, yeah, you will do in the summer because in the winter you'll be on the ice more. Uh, so on a day like this, uh, for example, today I uh, I did uh, I started off with an interval training on a bike, uh, which lasted like two hours and uh, it was qu- quite uh, high intensity. So I had to do uh, some uh, one minute intervals, uh, fourteen of those uh, with around six to seven hundred watts. And uh, I don't know if you if you if you bike, but that's uh, that's quite strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming back from that, you know, you have uh, that will take like two hours. So I was uh, like one hour before lunch was back. Then you, uh, I sit on my uh, on my, my patio outside, chill a little bit, play with the dogs. Oh, nice. Then I uh, <laughs> then I uh, I have lunch with my uh, fiance, and then. Uh, I say we, but I go. I go and take a siesta, which is really important for an athlete, of course. I think you probably heard that uh, hear that more uh, more often. But when you sleep, you recover better, so you're sharper and more focused for your second training. Uh, in the afternoon, I have the second training. Normally, uh, uh, after a bike training, you would do uh, you train an, another system. So normally, not biking, but because I'm injured, I, I biked again. Uh, but before this bike training, I did uh, some core uh, core uh, work. Um, uh, to, uh, to strengthen my core muscles and uh, like 360 degrees, uh, I did a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, weight training too uh, on the leg press. Afterwards, I got on the bike, uh, put in, put some hours in, and uh, yeah, then I, I, I go back to uh, to the house, uh, get a little bit of cool down, have dinner with my uh, with my fiance again, and then uh, I'm skyping with you. So mm. a typical day is just. Training twice, sometimes three times a day, uh, sleeping in the afternoon, and then uh, going to bed uh, early. Most times it gets uh, it gets a little bit later than I uh, intended, but uh, it's life, I think. <laughs> When's the wedding, Jan? Mm. 
Good question. Uh, it's probably going to be um, around this time next year. Okay, so you'll have had yeah. the Olympics pass you by and then you can concentrate exactly. on it. Because I was going to say that could be two very, uh, not not stressful things, but a lot on your plate if, if you've got yeah. to work on both of those. Uh, for me, it's pretty stressful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, very good at focusing on, the, on my sport and doing whatever it takes, but uh, all, all the rest is uh, sometimes is too much. Yeah. So as, a, as an athlete, you have to be uh, really selfish. And... Uh, yeah, I think it's nicer, you know, when you uh, when you have the Olympics. Uh, hopefully, uh, I was really successful there, and I think I will be uh, I'll be a better husband. Yeah, and uh, I think also when you when when you have a, a life event coming up afterwards as well, I wonder if that that helps. No matter how you do at the Olympics, in in a, in a way of. Um, you know, realizing that while you're trying to achieve something, that actually there, there's other things going on in life as well. How, how do you normally cover when you do have uh, disappointments or success? What, what do you like when when you don't achieve your, your goal or target? Yeah, it really depends because if you, uh, let's just say you had a perfect season, uh, you skated great, you had like, uh, you know, for, for example, on the Olympics, uh, you had a, you had a great race, but you end up third or fourth. You know, yeah, you you can uh, you can be really pissed about that. Or, but I think most of the time, you know, you feel like, okay, this is what I could do, and uh, I did everything I could, and it was not enough. And then you just have to, uh, uh, yeah, you just accept that. I think I would I would accept that. But on the other hand, if I had like a preparation where I didn't put in all the work I could. Uh, um, and I, or I had like a race that I was like, uh, it, yeah, totally not uh, satisfied about. And then you end up maybe first or maybe second even, or maybe I mean second or maybe first even. Yeah, you sometimes you're not like really satisfied for my part. So it, it, for me, for me, it really depends if I if I feel like. Um, yeah, it's so nice as an athlete. Sometimes you have those races where everything just falls to uh, comes together, you know, falls into place, and then you're like, yeah, it's really nice to uh, in a competition to yeah to go into flow state. I would mm. call this, and uh, if you can skate from uh, from that place, then yeah, it's it, that's the most amazing thing. Yeah, how often does that happen to you, Jan? Almost, <laughs> almost, uh, yeah, not a lot. No, no, no. It's, it's something that's very special. And, uh, so I'm now 28 and I've been acting on this international podium for like 10 years, I would say. And I think I, I've only had two or three races like that. Yeah. So it's very precious, uh, a race like that. Is it addictive? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I have a race like that, you're so, uh, uh euphoric, you know, you, you cannot be happier. And then, yeah, everything is, uh, everything is, is nice, you know, and you're like on this, on this cloud. Yeah. Can you identify when the first time that happened for you was? Yeah. The very first time that was, uh, I was, uh, and that was actually in the, the year of uh, Vancouver, 2000, uh, 2009. So, this was uh, I was a rookie and I uh, I didn't ever skate a World Cup and 
on the qualifications, I was fifth, I think, or sixth. So uh, I was substitute. Then it was uh, one guy uh, um, didn't skate because he was uh, he was ill, and I could skate in here fain. Uh, it wasn't the B division, so there was no television, but I skated uh, six seconds off of my uh, personal best, and the first time under six twenty. So the six twenty back then, now like uh, more guys skate uh, yeah, regularly skate under six twenty, but six twenty was like a, a barrier. So uh, I, I did 6.19.2, and uh, I was like, holy shit, man. If I can do this, uh, I probably can I can qualify for the games. And, yeah, I was really, really, really happy. Because, mm. of course, you did qualify for the, the 2010 games. What was... That was what I was, what was going to say. Because because of this time that I did in the World Cup, I got like a... a, a how do you say this? I qualified myself to... Uh, to qualify to qualify myself for the Olympics, yeah. so I needed like this this limit, and uh, and top, I think a top five or top three uh, placement. And the guy that that, uh, that didn't skate was the guy I knocked out on the qualification tournament. So. Oh wow! So he directly took his spot. <laughs> exactly, it was such a coincidence, and uh, yeah, you know. Uh, we actually the team pursuit went a little bit wrong. We scaled an Olympic record, but we got third. Something uh, went wrong in the qualifications, and we learned a lot from that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, it was a really uh, significant, uh, yeah, significant event in my career. I would say. Mm. And so you got bronze in 2010, and then that that became gold in 2014. As, yeah. a, as a team and as an individual, what were some of the, the... I know you said about changing teams, but were there anything that, that you guys did in particular which you think was able to elevate you to medal statuses? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I already mentioned the qualifications. The qualifications are really tough here. They're the most uh, toughest in the world uh, for skating. And because we have so much skaters and we have so much quality, and uh, I think one of the few countries who has uh, uh, commercial teams, and this commercial teams, you know, enables you to have a budget for traveling, for staff, for physios, weight training, uh, bikes, cars, you, you name it, you know, camps, and all those things. I think are really important to, uh, yeah, to to get your performance to a higher level. Uh, if you're uh, so sometimes we're, we're two weeks, two weeks at home, two weeks abroad for a camp. Uh, but in this time, you know, you have nothing on your mind when you're in a camp. You know, when you're at home, there's always things coming up. You have to uh, attend to, you have to fix or, or whatever. And uh, when you're in a camp, you know, you're isolated and you can just, you only have to think about your training. It's like eat, sleep, train, repeat, you know. I, I should say train, <laughs> eat, sleep and repeat. <laughs> So I think uh, that's really uh, something uh, that's that's in the Dutch skating culture that you go away for training and get a lot of quality done and you spend a lot of time with your team. You know, which, uh, yeah, I think which resulted in like a, maybe ten or twelve years doing this. This that our level of uh, yeah, just our skating level just went up and uh, yeah, in in, in twenty ten. Uh, we didn't have such a good year as a, as the Dutch guy, but in 2014, everything was uh, yeah, was just perfect. Also in the preparation in Holland, and mm-hmm. I think uh, 
people, yeah, they, they didn't believe that we, we were able to win so much medals. Yeah? And they said, yeah, that there's no competition. But the competition scaled the same as, uh, as they, they did actually in, in 2010 in Vancouver. But we just made like a, a big leap forward. And, uh, yeah, we, we just ended up uh, having a gold rush. So, you know, on the, on the first day we had, uh, on the 5K, I, I got the, the silver. But we had a fully Dutch podium, and this really inspired like the other people uh, uh, in, on the Dutch team, you know, on all the events. And actually, this happened uh, over and over. And so, yeah, it was like uh, we we lifted each other up, and the spirit also in the in the Olympic House was really good. We had a wall of fame mm-hmm. where all the all the people that won medals, you know, they got the picture up, and so everybody when they would go in or out this building saw like the the wall of fame so that was really inspiring too and, uh, yeah yeah i think that resulted in such a great uh medal count yeah fantastic with the success of 2014 do you think you're going to feel pressure going into next year's event and what are some of the the goals that you've set for yourself i would say that, that I, I feel less pressure than uh uh yeah, than than the Olympics before because um, back then, you know, I didn't have like an individual medal. So I would say like an individual medal counts for me more than a championship medal mm. because this is something you did by yourself. So having this silver is not gold, obviously, but I was really proud that uh, uh, you know all the all the work I I, I put in and uh, all the struggles I had to overcome that I was able to perform there and. Uh, and get my silver, and yeah, this really motivates me to uh, yeah, to change the color this year. And but I feel more relaxed going into it because I know what it, yeah, I know what it, I think it takes for me to get on this uh, on this level. Unfortunately, I had a little bit setback with my ankle, but on the other on the other hand, I, I did a lot of core training, which I would normally skip a little bit or cheat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I spent so much hours on uh, I was on the bike. Uh, which put me on like a really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really fit at the moment. So I feel that it happened for a reason and uh, my ankle is recovering very, very fast. So it shows that I'm fit too. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really eager, you know, to, uh, to make the team. And, uh, and I don't feel the pressure that I, that I uh, if I don't go, I, I, I would feel, you know, my, my, my choice of 20 teams will, uh, they will hold it against me or, I feel more free this year, actually. Hmm, fantastic. Well, I wish you all of the best for that. It's interesting that you have suffered an injury with um, less than a year to go. But actually, from some of the interviews that I've done on this program, in particular uh, the rower Mahe Drysdale and the swimmer Lenny Kraselberg, they mm-hmm. both suffered injuries leading up to an, a major Olympics and still went on to win gold. So very often these setbacks, as you say, allow you to focus on other areas. And also sometimes from what I've heard from these Olympic champions, allows the body to rest a little bit. And so mm-hmm. you're able to come back stronger. So uh, I hope that is the same for you. And I wish you all the best with that. Yeah. And before we go, can we, you just let us know how we can continue to follow you on social media and continue to follow your career. So we get a real insight of you leading up to uh, the next Olympics and the rest of your life, please. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, social media, which is funny because uh, as you can tell, I, I don't really post a lot. Um, there's all, the, the thing is my and my fiance, fiance and me we, we met on Instagram actually and uh, uh, 
but we both, you know, we don't live with our telephones. We kind of like, I think maybe born in the, in the wrong age, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, it's really fun, uh, funny that we, we should met in, in that way because, uh, yeah, we, normally we don't post, we are not uh, that much online. Fantastic. Did you, did you just send her a message saying, hi, I'm Jan, and it, it went from there? <laughs> no, no, no. No, actually, uh, um, so she, she's a model, uh, she has a model agency, and uh, um, she didn't scout me, but I was, she's, she's really uh, an animal lover, and I, uh, here in the neighborhood, I, uh, they know me as like dog whisperer, because I didn't have time for, for a pet myself, because I was away so so often, and uh, so I, I had the keys of like, I think 10 people and I could always take the dogs out. So uh, I live very close to the forest, like one minute. And uh, so I would always go, uh, go with the dogs to the forest, play and uh, just, uh, you know, get the, be outside, get to get some fresh air, let your uh, thoughts go. And uh, sometimes I would make a photo and post it. And uh, one of the times I, I, I made a photo and she saw this in her suggestions and, uh, but she is never on her phone. So that was, uh, meant to be I think so she liked the photo not because of me because of the dog <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I was scrolling to my likes and I saw her and I was like oh what a her name is Penny Lee uh, Hot Tiger like Hot Tiger which is like a very beautiful name I would say so I uh, I checked her out and I was like holy shit this, uh, she looks really hot and she likes animals and she, she's into food and whatever so uh, I uh, I sent her two, uh, two likes and uh, when I got some likes back, I was like, okay, this is on. And uh, yeah, I sent her, then I sent her a private uh, message. The rest is history. So uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, normally I would say I'm, I'm not such a fan of social media, but uh, it really worked for us. So we're really grateful. And uh, I should post some more. You know, I should, should let uh, people know what I'm up to more. And uh, I think, uh, I think I'm going to do that uh, going. Uh, going forward to watch the Olympics. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a beautiful story. Very romantic. Yeah. And uh, I'll make sure that we, we put links to your Twitter and Instagram page on the, on the show yeah. notes of this page. So we, we can see what you're up to and, and, and see, see dogs and you on bikes and, and, and your, your uh, blossoming uh, wedding coming up soon and, and hopefully some more Olympic gold medals. Yeah. it's been so good to talk to you. Thanks for being on the program and thank you for being the best in the world. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm uh, psyched to uh, to go into the Olympic season, and uh, you'll hear uh, some more from me. Thank you. Bye bye. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Wonderful to speak to Jan, and of course we've had some really good speed skaters on this program before. Maybe go back and listen to Chad Hedrick. That's one of my favourite podcasts on The Best in the World with Richard Barr, so I highly recommend that. Also, Joachim Oidahag was very, very good. I know I've probably said his name completely wrong. It's very difficult for me. But again, that is a fantastic podcast. Plus you heard Jan talk about Jorit Bergsma and his reasons for withdrawing from their Team Pursuit event and we will have Europe Bergsma on this podcast in a few weeks where he will give his version of those events plus much, much more as we learn from him because he is the best in the world as well. All right. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. 
and also press that subscribe button so you never miss a moment. But until next week, I've been Richard Parr and we will have more from the best in the world. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.